all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul. I'm Zach McCoy. And it's your boy, Trav. We are your Oscar Grouches, and welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast Thursday show, Thursday, where we take a look at the oeuvre of a perennial bridesmaid and know of cinema that is a one Mr. Martin Scorsese. What are we watching this week, Zach? This week, we're watching Cape Fear, which is about an angry sex offender who feels cheated by his uh, defense attorney, decides to get back at him by being as creepy as possible. <laughs> as creepy as possible is correct. That is correct. Uh, and before we jump into our normal episode, we forgot to do something last week. So we're going to do a little housekeeping on the National Film Registry for Goodfellas, which is in the National Film Registry. Came out in 1990. So that means its first year of eligibility would be 2000. So would you gentlemen please give me a year that it went in? I uh, can't imagine it not going in in 2000, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, I was going to say 2004, but there, Ooh. I wouldn't be surprised. Trav, you hit it right on the money, baby. Son of a first bitch. Is that my first time? Is that I, my first? I think I that's think my that first one. So <laughs> there you go. I think well Zach's, done, Trav. Zach's got two, one on each show, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's it so far. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a rough game. Yeah, yeah dude. I would have been shocked if it didn't go in after first year of eligibility, uh, to be honest with you. You know, we just we just did Silence of the Lambs yesterday, and that got in at the 20-year anniversary. You're so, lying. No, I was Because I would have guessed 10 years on that, too. I yeah. When I saw that it was 2011 and not, not 2001 or even like 2005, I could not believe it. Yeah. That's what makes it hard is, yeah, I have no idea what Congress is thinking. Like, I can – I think – Obviously, I would pick ten year for both of those movies, but sometimes you I try, to, I try to guess what, what yeah. would Congress think. Uh, Hannibal's not in, is it? No. Okay. What was that? That that came out in two thousand one. So not to spoil our two thousand. Wow, two thousand one. Damn, I was Absolutely. thinking. I don't know. I was thinking like oh four that Hannibal came out two thousand one. Now, okay. now you got me questioning I, myself. I didn't so. think it was that long ago. Wow, that's. 20 years ago. Jeez, yeah, 2001. Man. Okay. Wow. So when did Red Dragon come out? You would say 06? No, that was like 03 or 04. Oh, 02. 02. Red Dragon came out only a year after Hannibal? Yeah. Wow. Damn, my memory sucks, dude. <laughs> Damn, it's I did not while. think Red Dragon was only a year after Hannibal. Um. <laughs> Since I can say, I I forgot it was a year after. I knew that Red Dragon came out the year I went. I was at college, right? That's why I was thinking O three or O four, because O three sounded much more manageable than O two, and that is like, God, he must have filmed those back to back. I had to have. Damn. Like he came, he came off set with Ridley Scott and Brett Ratner was like, "Come on over." <laughs> You could be Hannibal again, and I'm going to harass some women. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck Brian Rander. <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> so, back to Cape Fear. Is this everybody's first time seeing this film? Yes. No. A yes for me. Yeah, now that's, that is shocking. For I'm me, also right? shocked by this because of how much, like, 
Cape Fear kind of surrounds my life that I've never seen this film. How does Cape Fear surround your life? <laughs> it's like it's one of those things that's always just been kind of in pop culture around me. And the probably, Simpsons. I was gonna say my probably my favorite episode of The Simpsons is the Cape Fear knockoff. You want to know something wild? I'm about to hit you with this is some Benjamin Banks shit right here. I've never seen a single full episode of The Simpsons. Wow. Whoa. That that's I'm I'm honestly more impressed at how long it's been on that you haven't. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Simpsons came on when I was five, almost six. So it's again another thing that just kind of Yeah, I've is, seen it randomly yeah. on television back when I was a kid. Like uh maybe it was on in the living room, but I've really never paid in any mind. And I've never I don't watch Fox. Yeah. So I only watched Family Guy because of Adult Swim. So I never watched like their animation domination Sunday things or whatever yeah. they were doing. I've just never watched Fox and I've never watched The Simpsons. The only thing I've ever watched on Fox is King of the Hill. I guess and Bob's I was just, Burgers. I guess I was just the right age for when Fox was kind of kind of putting out good stuff. The the yeah, I was gonna say the uh the alternative station to to CBS and NBC and ABC where they were trying to get the young, the young viewership. So they had things like Simpsons and in living yeah. color and right. uh, married it's, with children, which is a show I don't care for. One of the, um, House before my dad left, one of the things that he watched <laughs> regularly <laughs> was, uh, you just stuck it in there and um, like, I could not contain my, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Sorry, Zach. I didn't mean to interrupt. One of my, no, it's fine. One of my few positive uh, memories of childhood is you know regularly watching new episodes of The Simpsons as they came out, and I'm one of those. Uh, I'm not an asshole about it, but uh, like right. first ten seasons, I've seen every episode of the first ten seasons. Like that's the golden era of The Simpsons, and I own mm -hmm. those on DVD and stuff. So, yeah, that's cool. I feel that way about Family Guy. To be honest with you, like. It's just gone on so long. I'm right. like, dude, I don't know how anybody's still watching this. But I feel like this is kind of a cold open sure. because yeah. we're randomly talking about stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, gives a little uh, context to the culture. Yeah, we're just, yeah. Oh, we're that's just what I was going to. That's what I was going to say now. was I was just talking to somebody about when you're a kid, five year age you know three to five year age gap is a big deal for what you get into it really mm -hmm. is dude like y'all grew up on simpsons and i just missed it because i was three three to five years younger so We're, like it just missed it yeah whereas we we were the right age at the height of the simpsons right to where like it was the the monoculture around that yeah. time so video games and toys and yeah, where where everything, you know, there was so much less options of what right. to watch that The Simpsons was kind of it for years. Yeah. And you didn't miss The Simpsons. And like we went to war in my house over The Simpsons and the Cosby show <laughs> because they both came on at the same time on Thursday night. That's crazy. So one week we would watch Cosby show and one week we would watch The Simpsons and then Simpsons finally got smart and moved to Sunday, and I was free to watch it every single week after that. Every Sunday. So, right. so Zach. Yeah. Back to our question. <laughs> A funny now that, connection. Yes. Now that uh, 
we've done the old leveling up with Benjamin Banks snowball. Snowball, that's right. Oh, it's funny though that it, it actually kind of circles back to my first time watching this movie was in 2006 when I actually went to visit my dad out in Arizona. Arizona. We were chilling. And that's we uh, chilling. <laughs> first time, uh, I can't remember, it was the first time I, Caitlin met him. We were still dating, we weren't married yet. Um, we went out hanging out and movie night. Zach pick a movie and I pick Cape Fear. And my dad was like, that's a weird one. Let's watch it. So that was the first time I ever saw it. Definitely a weird one. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. And I can't wait to talk about it. Well, we got an Oscar breakdown, though, don't we? We do this? have an Oscar breakdown. Cape Fear nominated for two Academy Awards, both performances. Uh, Robert De Niro getting nominated, playing Maximilian Max Cady, loses to the great Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. Uh, different uh, psychopath with uh, flesh-eating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't, preoccupation. I couldn't think of the word. My brain really just died on that one. Sorry, guys. All right. And uh, Best Supporting Actress, Juliette Lewis, mm-hmm. nominated, playing Danielle Bowden. Loses to Mercedes Rule in the Fisher King. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think she should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress? I I honestly think she she should have been. She is I think in the second half of the movie, she really um pulled out one of the better performances I've seen from her. I'm not necessarily a, a hater or a fan of hers in particular, but I think she's, she she's she, one of those steady hands I like to see in films from time to time. Yeah. She was very um subdued and understated until she needed to be. That's fair. Yeah. Uh I think that that scene in the auditorium is really what locked her for it. That's yeah, such a that's such an uneasy and creepy scene. She Oh, absolutely. She rolls with it so well. And I, I'll say this, I had to look up and see if she was underage filming this movie. Now, you know, obviously he kisses her, so I, I obviously felt like, no, they wouldn't go to those sort of lengths. You know, but she looks so young in this movie that oh. I I did have to... She was 20. Okay. I did have to look up and see, man, is she really 16? Because... Yeah. The retainer, know, I think, really kind of sells it, too. Dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, because she literally looks like a girl going through her body changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So whatever they did in makeup, it worked because it it yeah. fooled me versus like Scream, where you could clearly tell everybody's in their mid-20s playing high school kids. <laughs> so. <Right. laughs> uh, Tobey Maguire yeah. and Spider-Man. Yeah, so, so good on Scorsese for learning his lesson from Taxi Driver and not having to yeah actual underage girl yeah which you know for taxi driver i I don't think you could have gotten away with casting a 20 year old in this juliet lewis certainly looks the part yeah 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 and that's it just those two nominations just those two nominations i he didn't get nominated for best director uh i think he directs the shit out of this movie dude I, I he don't, directs the fuck out of this movie i don't know in this year he fits into the category okay all right i don't think i i don't think i keep barry levinson in for bugsy so i'll go through the the nominees right now since we're talking about it yeah. demi for silence of the lambs who obviously. deserves it obviously he wins he's 
the fucking best. Uh, John Singleton for Boys in the Hood. Right. Should absolutely can't, be can't here. compete with that. Okay. Uh, Barry Levinson and Bugsy, who I think I throw out. I was going to say, I've never seen Bugsy, but it's I am. Not, it's not very good. I'm a fan of the director. So. Uh, I like Levinson. This is, this is, I think, the beginning of his stumbling. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you get Oliver Stone for JFK. Uh, I don't know. I keep Oliver Stone in either. Yeah, I, I like it, but you know he's been nominated enough. He's 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 got two of them. It's such a good movie, though. It's so long. It blew my mind when all of y'all were saying you never seen it. I felt like I was all, oh, I've seen this movie. You guys haven't. You know, <laughs> I I think I avoided it for so long for the uh, reason. It was the double VHS. You know, we had the double VHS yeah. when I was a kid growing up. So, yeah, uh, and yeah, I just uh, I think I avoided it for all the reasons I ended up not liking it. So right. Um. And then Ridley Scott's in here for Thelma and Louise, who I definitely keep. Obviously, yeah. Uh, I think I throw Terry Gilliam in for The Fisher King. I I think it's a crime that he's only been nominated once. <sighs> Cohen Brothers, I'd put in. Yeah, may, maybe Cohen Brothers, but they didn't. They did not show Barton Fink a lot of love in the above the line. What yeah. What movie did they have this year? Barton, Barton Fink. Fink. Oh, okay, I've never seen that one. Uh, I wasn't sure. Fargo came out 94? 96? 96? Okay. All right. Yeah, 96. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I was over here looking at... i not the biggest fan of Terminator 2, like a lot of people are, okay. but I think, Cameron, I think Cameron goes in. Yeah. Throw out, throw out Stone, throw out Levinson, throw in Gilliam and Cameron. Okay, but you're, you're still yep. sticking Scorsese. He just doesn't deserve to be. I, he, I just good, don't think it's... But- Right, I just yeah, don't yeah. think it's this film. Uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Like, I don't think he's he's been nominated yet for a film that I disagree with. So his nominations he's received so far are all the nominations he absolutely deserves. Like, even, even King of Comedy, which I think is kind of uh, uh, one of his best films. I, I don't think he should have been nominated for that. I, I don't think... I, don't I just think his, can't... I can't believe this thing got nominated for editing. Yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked with that too. This uh, move, the, the filming of this, you know, um, we're not with Michael anymore. We're the Freddie Francis, but this, the filming, dude, the camera work on this movie is fucking incredible, dude. He did that when we covered um, the Spielberg show, Amazing Stories. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of those shots again, and I'm just like, how does he do these shots, dude? Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I don't, it looks like it's two different shots and they digitally put them together, but I know they didn't do that. So I'm like, how did he do these shots where he's looking and she's in the background? I don't know how he does these shots. Oh, those are called, oh, the split diopter shots where you have someone like, love them. You have someone right up here and someone way back here and they're both in focus. Yes. It's, it's a specific lens where it's kind of, it's kind of literally split down the middle and one, one lens on one. Yeah, one lens is able to shoot up close while the other one's like concave. Like one kind of goes out, one kind of comes in. Right. And it keeps them both in shots. Like it's a big thing that Brian De Palma does all the time. And he and Brian De Palma, of course, are real good friends. Do they so. use that in, in film today? I don't feel like I see it. 
Yeah, I, I think so, it just, which is why I'm so blown away when Scorsese's doing it because I'm like, dude, I don't see stuff like this. This is fucking incredible. I I think it's one of those things that comes in and out of style. So like when somebody starts really picking it back up, like like I said, De Palma's famous for them. He, you watch any Brian De Palma film, you're probably going to see a split diopter. Um, Spielberg used them quite a bit. Um, I don't want to invoke his name, but there's a couple of really good ones in the movie at pupil, uh, which of course is directed by serial rapist, Brian Singer. Yeah. So it, it's one of those, I bet you hear when people start aping the style of nineties films. Yeah. Uh, right. for it's the, coming. Yeah. For that, that nostalgia wave, we'll start seeing split diopter shots again. Cause you know, De Palma's really big in the nineties with like mission impossible and snake eyes. And- right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this movie, I think, uh, what it is to me up front is Marty kind of doing what he did with New York, New York. And he's like looking back on classic horror. There's absolutely tons of Hitchcock influence and oh, yes. uh, like Charles Lawton's, uh, Night of the Hunter. Mm-hmm. There are so many parallels with that movie, and you even got Robert Mitchum in here with a little part, which is cool. Well, uh, Mitchum and Gregory Peck, who are both in this movie, right, were, yep, original, yep. were the original that. two guys. Right. Uh, Peck was was Bowden, and uh, Mitchum was Katie. Yeah, but you know, even the colors and um, the camera work, obviously, is very Hitchcock, and you even got a you know, um, Jessica Lange's hairstyle and stuff looks just like a Hitchcock leading lady. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it it made me look up what year was supposed to take place because I was like, it doesn't look like a 90s film, but maybe it takes place in the 60s. And that's why Scorsese was like, we're going to make it look like a 60s horror film. And no, it takes place in the fucking 80s. You know what I mean? And I was yep. just like, I really enjoyed the nostalgia style that Scorsese did with the yeah. film. Yeah. Cause I, I've honestly, I've never seen the original for this either, but apparently the director of the original was very inspired by Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. uh, down to the point that he brought on Bernard Herman to do the score. Oh, and then, uh, um, yes. and then Elmer Bernstein for this film. Right. Apparently asked, Scorsese, yep. if he could just use Bernard Herman's music. Yeah, yeah, music. they just did an adaption of it, and it's so yeah. fucking good. It's, it's so good. fucking good. It's such a good score. Yeah, um, it's one of those scores that's really, it just, you got the actors, you got the way that it's shot, and then you got the score, and all three of them with their powers combi- combined, you know, Captain Planet comes a-calling, dude, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was just, all three yep. of them working together really gave you creepy creepy vibes thing. yeah and it's one of these scores that's so good it 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 just immediately reminds me why bernard herman is my guy well, he like, is. Yeah, God, yeah. right he's so good i've actually never seen the original either so um kind of funny uh looking at it without that comparison but you know there's so much influence of the past anyway i think so there's it it's intentionally done that way um and I'll say, you know, my first time watching it, it really was uncomfortable. And I've kind of put off. This is only my second time watching it, even though it was almost 15 years ago when I saw it the first time. 
because it was so uneasy. But watching it this time, knowing what's going to happen, I was able to enjoy it more. So I'll say that. Right. Yeah, and it's it's one of those ones again. Like I know so much about it, and through the parodies and whatnot, that right that I I know almost all the beats of this film. So while it was kind of unnerving from time to time, it it was easy to easy to follow and easy to get through because right I, I've I've seen Cape Fear, yeah, adjacent things. So yeah, and this is supposed to take place up in New England area, right? No, this takes place in South Carolina. Oh, North, okay. North Carolina. Oh, okay. Because when they're when they're doing the parade at the beginning, a bunch of people are waving North Carolina flags. Okay, so I missed that. And yeah, Confederate it, flags. The um the choice of accent just confused me a lot. I was like, why does the Nero have this accent? I didn't it didn't feel like it took place in the South. So I'll I'll say that. I'm a little shocked that it takes place in North Carolina. I didn't get any of those Southern vibes, quote unquote, from mm. it outside of his accent. Hmm. Which, I, how did yeah. y'all feel about his accent? I thought he did a really good job with it. I mean, yeah. as far as he's very consistent. You didn't feel uh, it was kind of hokey? It was a little hokey. He he was very, uh, one of those, like Paul would say, chewing a lot of scenery, but I, I was all in for it. I I kind of loved it <laughs> as far yeah. as. I. I think it fits like it fits the mood of the film where the directing is so big and the story is so big that his performance just fits into all the scenery that he's chewing on. Maybe it's because I know De Niro doesn't have this accent. So <laughs> it feels disconnected for me, the accent. I think he has a much stronger performance without it personally but maybe i just can't separate him from this from the character you know i know that it's not real yeah. um versus something like taxi driver where i'm all in on travis you know and i'm in de niro's travis i didn't feel that in this film even though i thought de niro did give a good performance i think the accent really ruined it for me because i just know that yeah, it's fake and phony <laughs> yeah, I think with the uh, with the idea that he's supposed to be kind of a backwater hick, that it it's, yeah yeah. He, yeah it fits with it for me. I again with with as big as everything else is going in this film, it it just melds into it. I'll say there's some some points in this movie where uh, sometimes I laugh where I don't think I'm supposed to. Yeah, uh, oh, I laughed a lot in this movie, <laughs> and I feel like I was supposed to, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think Scorsese, uh, kind kind of like with um, After Hours, is really just giving himself an excuse to be fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the whole ship scene is fucking wild. <laughs> God, you know it I mean? really is. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of stuff that happens in it's, a small window of time yeah and they, it's all crammed there in like the last like 15 minutes of this movie and it's insanity it really um, is but like this isn't this isn't like a passion project for him right, right? yeah yeah he was this gonna is... do Schindler's List wait what? yeah so <laughs> that's so funny you bring that up because Denzel I just watched the interview with Denzel where he 
brought up an example of Denzel had done a movie where it's a black director and they were saying, well, why did it need to have a black director? And he was like, if you have Schindler's list, Martin Scorsese could have done that or Spielberg could have done that. And it doesn't matter. But for this movie, you need to have a director who's lived in this moment, who has, who's black, who's felt, what it's like to have a hot iron in the morning on your hair. And like, he was given all these examples. You didn't need that for Sh- Schindler's list. Like Scorsese could have did that or Spielberg. It's irrelevant who did the movie. The movie was still going to be the movie. Yeah. I, huh. I think Spielberg is the right choice specifically because of like his family lineage and right. him, him having yeah. been like personally affected by the Holocaust. Um, you know, not yeah. in his lifetime, but overall, like, yeah. Um, not to disagree with Denzel, I, I agree with his point on having a black director for a particular project, but I do think, yeah, like, Spielberg if it's Malcolm was, X, then yeah, Spike Lee is yeah. the right choice for that. But I do think Spielberg was the right choice. I didn't really know about Marty being potentially, yeah. So he was lined mm-hmm. up to do Schindler's List, and Spielberg was going to direct this. <laughs> Which is why it's produced by Amblin Entertainment. Right, this, right. This is the only time that those two bestie friends work together. So I think I missed it, but does Spielberg have a cameo in it? Because I see... Uh, I don't believe No, so. I don't think he has a cameo. I, I saw him like on the... Oh, I just know. don't. And I don't even think he had anything to do with the movie itself. Like, I don't he, think he gave well, any... He he developed it. He He brought it to the studio and he was going to direct it. So there was a lot of that and he silently produced it. He didn't put his name in the credits, but he gave Marty a lot of like a lot of inspiration and a lot of, uh, I don't want to say direction, but, uh, pointers or suggestions yeah. or something. Yeah. Suggestions is probably the, the closest word to what's. And I, I feel like Martin threw him out the window because nothing about this movie screams Spielberg in the slightest, in my opinion, like, it is. This is a wild movie, you know. This is yeah. a wild movie. <laughs> yeah. So, especially for 1991. Yeah. So, um, so what happens is this is uh, part of Marty's deal to get um, right. Last Temptation. Last Temptation made. Yeah. Is they sign him on for a couple of movies, and Universal again was going to have him do Schindler's List, but him and Spielberg traded. So this is just part of that that whole deal. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know how much guidance Spielberg gave to him, but yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like Marty all across the board. So yeah, yeah, man, <laughs> it's so much fun. This movie's fun. I just, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly the time dude. That's the word. Really, the word to describe this movie. It's fun. It's nothing <laughs> that I would say. Martin is. If somebody was like, well, what's some of the what's some of the best pieces of work where he's really showing who he is as the director? I don't think this is a piece that I would say, Hey, if you want to know, if you want to know about Martin Scorsese, you got to watch this, you know, but yeah, again, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, ugh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a wild movie, man. It is. And yeah. I'll, I'll say none of the actors really do anything for me. It's really, the direction and the camera work and the score. Nobody in this movie really does anything for me. Like they're yeah, good. I, they're not bad or anything. Right. But yeah, I don't the, I don't see anybody's performance and go, 
holy shit. Yeah, I, I think Nolte's fine. I think Lang yeah. Lang is I don't want to say wasted, but she she's, she's definitely she's is kind of subpar. She's kind of subpar. She's yeah. just kind of in a thankless role, and I think she does the best she can with it. But I I really she's pretty like good Julia. on the boat. But other than that, the rest of the movie she's not. Yeah, I really like Juliet Lewis, and you know who I absolutely love in this movie, Joe Don Baker. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> let's kill him. That's so funny. I thought you were gonna say um, Martin Scorsese's girlfriend or Leanna Douglas. Yeah, we're on our fourth film with her in it. With we her in it, brought her up yet? So, and uh, well, that's because at least the last two, her role was so subpar. Well, I mean, like she's in the background essentially of uh, Last Temptation of Christ, and yeah. And then the Nick Nolte one. What was it? New York Stories? Uh, yeah. uh, life, life Lessons, lessons. from yeah. New York Stories, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like she's like a can cameo. This is like a real solid role that she has. And honestly, I thought her performance was one of the better ones in the film, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Because she, she is wonderful. insanely obnoxious. And that whole scene was wild. The You know, the... Uh, can I say rape scene? I I feel uncomfortable saying it, you know, but it's but, what it is. It, I mean, I don't think he rapes is, her, though. He assaults her during a consensual act, oh. so it's like, but yeah. Like, she's, well, she's, she is consensual up until the moment that it turns violent. And that I he breaks her fucking arm, you know? Or yeah, and he doesn't neither, break her arm, but it sounds like he dislocates her fucking shoulder out of his yeah. socket you know i assume her that he had raped her maybe he did just beat he her has, and play around with her but i assume yeah, he, that has he his, also he has his pants on as he starts beating her and she is not a she is not completely undressed either and right. she still has her bra on yeah uh, but he there. raped the woman that he went to prison for right yes okay yeah so that's why i'm just assuming yeah. that rape is his thing this, you know what i mean well maybe i Go on, I'm sorry. I was just going to bring up that point. The whole point of contention over the withheld evidence. It's so shitty to even think of the person being labeled promiscuous as an admissible piece of evidence. That, like I know it, it. It was a thing probably up until fairly recently. That it's still a thing. Yeah, it's so dumb. There was a thing yeah. that just happened where um, they use it as a defense of how many men she had been with in the last couple of years. I cannot remember what that case was, but it was a national case. And yeah. their defense was, well, she slings it all the time to anybody. So, you know, why couldn't he take it? She's giving it up to everybody. And that was their defense. You know yeah. what I mean? So, Trash. and I, I like that Martin always talks about the issues. And it was kind of cool that Nick Nolte was like, I got to bury this evidence because this guy's garbage and I can't, Right. He went against this code on what he's supposed to do, but it's like you obviously don't blame he was him. right about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't I mean, blame him. You don't blame and, him. And you know, and yeah, he goes against his code, but at the same time, like that drives him away from from having to deal with men like Max Katie in the future. He's like, I I couldn't Quit that job, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I I couldn't in good conscience defend this man. Yeah, yeah. Better than I did because I knew he was guilty and I couldn't deal with having to do that anymore. Right. <laughs> Some stuff that's crazy in this movie is um, there is like the police are pretty much useless. Like they're just flat out fucking useless. And it's wild how useless they are. And that's, where, just, 
they take matters into their own hands. You know what I mean? To get rid of this dude. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's just the old Hitchcock thing where like Alfred Hitchcock is famous for saying like, if, if our main character goes to the police, we don't have a movie. Right. So, so in this movie, you have to make the, the police completely useless because I feel like, I feel like it wasn't a cop out though, because they actually bring him in, you know, they're like, Hey, is that the guy? But once he reveals certain information, the police are like, well, dude, we can't do anything. And that's real life, bro. They don't do anything when it comes to this sort of stuff. And they bring it up in here. Nick Nolte says something about when it's against you, by the time they can do something is the law. They said something about the law is not made for disputes like this. The law is made for whatever. I can't remember the line, but there was a lot of undertones in this movie that really replicate law in real life. And it's so true that they don't do anything until you're, until it's too late. And then now they're solving a murder. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a law on the books, like a national law that the Supreme court went over that pretty much says police aren't there to prevent crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Oh, it's that's, so true. That's not their job. That's just so fucked up. Like it's their right. job to solve crime after yeah. crime has been done. Like <laughs> yeah. so many it's people like, think that it's supposed to be preventative, and that's why we get all this cop worship in the wrong yeah, ways. Yeah. yeah. Like all res- restraining orders and I mean, you yeah, can't well, even prevent you can't prevent somebody from being a psycho to you pretty much is, is what the case is as american law mm. so yeah now again marty hitting you hard with the undertones bro per usual so again nobody nobody's acting does anything for me in this film it's legitimately martin a cinematographer and that fucking score is what's oh, really God, selling me this movie and yeah. a wild last act yeah. <laughs> also yeah. like the miniature wor- work with the boat bro when when yeah, she sets really him good. on fire That's... and he just jumps in the water <gasps> it's and then you, he comes out grabs the rope and i'm like bro this man would have been washed away like <laughs> gone immediately do you see the storm do you know how strong these waves are in this current he would have been long gone bro but nope <laughs> This man grabbed the rope. And I love the sound effect, too. Like, they did a very 60s Hitchcock, yep. where it's very stiff, and they shoot the camera, and it makes the noise, and you're like, oh! oh. Yep. Very Friday <laughs> yeah. the 13th. <laughs> that scene of him getting set on fire is one of the ones I laugh at that Bro, I don't know if you're supposed to or not. <laughs> I, I think you are. I think you are, dude, because I laugh every time. I honestly feel like he chuckled, you know? <laughs> To be honest with you. I can't believe she just set me on fire. I'd <laughs> <laughs> just let that happen to me. Oh, God. And then he didn't do anything to her. Like, wouldn't you be so furious that somebody set you on fire that you would immediately take that person out? Nah. Nah. It's all right. Yeah, I wonder if maybe he still somehow thinks they're going to have some sort of weird connection. Or if, I don't know if he ever even wanted to. There's Who knows what's going on in that noggin? That's the, who yeah, that, I will say that. You can't figure him out. All right. Any other notes on this one? Watch this movie because it is a wild ride. It's, it's probably nothing I'll watch so anytime weird. soon. I'm not in no rush to watch this again, but it was, I, re- I didn't enjoy it, man. I enjoy this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
like I said, I think um, I, I definitely enjoyed it my second time more than my first time because I I'm not easily unnerved by movies, but when there's a creepy factor, especially mm. with the uh, like like you said the theater scene, I just gives me the willies. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's got some rewatch value. But like you said, it'll probably be five years or more before I watch it again. But another fifteen. <laughs> and I I do think this is my first time seeing De Niro with semi-longish hair. I can't think of another movie right off the top of my head where he had hair so long he could put it in a ponytail. So I was like, all right, De Niro, 50 years old and bringing the suave. <laughs> yeah, I, I know he probably didn't watch The Mission, but he had long hair in The Mission. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I've never seen The Mission. Deer Hunter, it was long-ish. Ish. I remember he had longer hair when he won his... Oscar for Raging Bull. I can't remember what he's filming then. But got him. <laughs> yeah, but crazy to think that De Niro was 50 in 1991. In a damn good shape, too. Like, it, yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. His body was, he had he, a nice body. He dude. apparently got down to 3% body fat for this film. That man's a psycho. Just, he is. De Niro legitimately nuts. is a psycho. And not a psycho in the sense of, He's going to go around serial killing and, you know, doing all this stuff. But his mentality of when he dedicates himself to something, yeah. he's a – that's yeah. why he's one of the greats. Yeah. Just like yeah. sports players, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, all those guys are psychopaths. Yeah. yeah. They're he, psychopaths. He, <laughs> I, I have to wonder sometimes. I mean, I know he's had a couple divorces or whatever, but he's not, like, ever been accused of – anything really bad it's just how good he is at playing such horrible people it mm -hmm. scares me a little time but uh here's he's looking extra sexy with his oscar there at 81 yeah, dude he looks hey. really good <laughs> and just think that's what 10 years before this film yeah yep. yeah crazy um, crazy man you just don't even think about how long de niro's been on De Niro's been doing it and he's still doing it. Like he still has films coming out in 2022, 2023, like lined up, ready to rock. You know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And Scorsese's still doing it too. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's get into our worsty judgments. Trap. Yes, sir. Where's this sitting on your Thursday rankings? All righty. So I really did have to, I feel like you, I had to do some uh, internal thinking when I was putting this on my list of where specifically I'm going to put it in front of and behind. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I have it in my number five spot right after, right after After Hours, but right before The Color of Money. Um, okay. obviously the acting and color of money between Paul Newman and Tom Cruise blows anything that anybody's doing in this movie out the water, but there's just something about this movie. Like Paul said, that's just fun and kind of exciting to watch. And, you know, again, Zach said, I'm not supposed to laugh, but it's like, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm not supposed to laugh, you know, and I just really yeah. enjoy that vibe that Martin was giving off. So yeah, I got to sit at my number five spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of him speaking in tongues at the end. God. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, we forgot, man, you know, when Nick Nolte's about to smash this dude's head in with the rock and then the water takes him 
away. You know, I'm God, like, like every shot in that sequence is so tense, dude. Especially he's going like lower and lower, and he's still talking shit. That guy's such a psychopath that he's about to drown, but he got to get in those last words and let this dude know. <laughs> oh yeah, great ending, great ending yeah. to the film. And then Nick Nolte gets in no trouble. Yeah. Or he just goes back to normal life. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Right, Zach, where's, where's the body, Nolte? Yeah. <laughs> where's the sitting on your Thursday's ranking? Well, let's see. I think I got to slot it in at my number eight, but that's still a high ranking. I got Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, After Hours, Last Temptation, King of Comedy, Mean Streets, and then this. I, uh, I think it might be – it's a better made movie than Mean Streets because, you know, Marty's more refined. But I still love that more uh, kind of personal touch uh, mm-hmm. of Mean Streets. So, yeah, number eight. Pretty solid. How about you, Mr. Paul? Uh, well, I got this sitting down at my number 15. Oh. I think okay. this is a lot of fun. I just had a great time watching this movie. But I – just don't think it's a strong enough entry. Uh, I, I can feel Marty having a good time. Yeah. But he's really, he's really loose with a lot of it. I, I think it, I think it not being a passion project of his really lets his, lets his performers slip a little bit. Uh, while I think everyone's doing a good job, they're not putting in like the Oscar caliber performances that we know that Marty's capable of directing. Oh, for sure. You're not lying. Um, but and the story's a little loose. I think I think you could chop about ten minutes out of it, and maybe maybe even fifteen, and it'd still be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it sitting right under New York Stories, uh, his life lessons, which I I think it's tighter and a lot more fun, and I think uh, Nolte's putting in a much better performance in that. Okay, uh, and I have it right above Mean Streets myself because uh, I think they're both great films. I don't know, Cape Cape Fear's just so much fun to watch and i could see myself revisiting this like in the next couple of years watch mean streets plenty mm-hmm. okay all right, all so right. That's, where, that's where i'm at traff let people know where they can find you on the media's social that's right you can find me on the instagram at zk audio i'm also on the twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on Letterbox, ranking rating my favorite movies. And as I continue with my Disney animation movies, uh, me and the girls just watched Frozen. And I got to say, that movie deserved every single accolade that it got because that soundtrack is incredible. Zach, where are we going to find yeah. my man at? Squirter. <laughs> You can find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterboxd, Searching by My Name, where if I rank Frozen, I might not love it as much, but I don't hate it either. Mr. Workman. Uh, you can find me uh, at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where I rank every film that I watch. Um, I do have I a ranking you. of Frozen on here. I hate the trolls in frozen so they ruin every scene that's right i forgot that you said that i just don't like them like that fixer upper song the worst other than that if you take the trolls out of that movie i agree with everything you just said (laughs) i think that film is incredible dude it is 
Yeah, I um, forgot. It's been a number of years because it was so overplayed. I was like, I'm over this. But yeah. when you revisit it a couple years later, you're like, damn, no wonder why. You know, this was good. Yeah. But since we're talking about musicals, I'll say that uh, this week I watched Cyrano, the new oh. Peter Dinklage musical, yeah. and it sucks. Oh, well, well, we still need to see it, Paul. Well, see it. I think all the music is bad, except one song. There's one song I really like. Well, I'll I'll say this. Peter Dinklage musical doesn't sound appealing to me already. So no disrespect to Peter Dinklage. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily going to visit it until you told me there's a redhead in the middle of the Yeah, Roxanne's a redhead. Well... Dude, with a name like Roxanne, you can't be anything else but a redhead, you know? Uh, Disney she, has told us that. Preferred in movie. Yeah. Um, also, uh, there's just a scene in there that makes no sense to me, and I, I couldn't get over it as I was watching it. I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> This is the dumbest thing. This is dumb. This is stupid. I just imagine Paul like spitting his diet Dr. Pepper at the screen and going, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Just that, just that old hag from, uh, from the princess bride. (laughs) 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 What a good movie. Uh, Yeah. That's a great movie. Uh, see, watch that instead of Cyrano. Just skip Cyrano <laughs> altogether. <laughs> All right. Well, we would like to thank Trav. Trav, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Uh, we, uh, thank you for producing our show. Um, we would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at the Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the all the algorithm. Yeah. The algorithm of uh, what are we doing next week? Did you to be Oh, 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 I forgot to ask that. Okay, so Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're taking a little pause, and we're going to give you our thoughts on the Academy Award nominations. So, enjoy that. It'll be 21 Academy Award nominations. Absolutely. Excited to see where we go with these, because this award season's been pretty bad. Yep. Then after that, we'll come back with Age of Innocence, so we'll touch on that again. But, yeah. Yeah. So, for Trav and Zach and uh, Elena Douglas, get your cheek bit off. Ow! <laughs> Ooh, we would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>